welcome to the Universal Sisterhood podcast. We're hoping to create a place where women can delve deeper, lift their gaze higher, live freer, laugh louder, smile brighter, and be the authentic woman she was designed to be. Every human heart is created to be known, loved, and understood. So this is the place where women can share their story. Welcome to episode 69. Before I begin today's episode, I just wanted to say a few words personally. We are living in such unprecedented times, and I'm sure you would agree that the world has entered a time of real global divide and unrest. We have more than any time in history become people of us and them mentality. If you don't agree with me, then I'll just, you know, cancel you out. People feel aggressively passionate about defending or offending others. Uh, The media is encouraging us to get upset, and upset we are. We're spending our energy, our time, our lives being caught up in pointing the finger, accusing, being skeptical. You know, all these traits that have the enemy stamped all over them. I've been really convicted lately to just stop, pause and examine the landscape of my heart. Where does my heart go when it is, you know, presented with these situations? Do I stand up in self-righteous anger? Am I fearful? Am I proud? Am I peaceful? Am I meek? Am I humble? Am I gentle? I've really been asked to examine my heart so in in prayer I've been praying a lot about this and chatting with Jesus and it came to me whilst on a very long jog a few weeks ago the words are you surprised and I thought am I surprised that at this hour this is where we find ourselves am I should I be surprised In a world that has forgotten who we are and whose we are, and ultimately that we belong to each other, I'm not at all surprised that this is where we find ourselves. So polarised, so divided, so confused, such disunity. So then it got me thinking, how does a Christian live at a time like this? How do we keep our hearts and our heads and our faith intact in such a time of spiritual darkness? Remember that you and I were born for a time such as this. You, my friend, as am I, were made to love, fearlessly love, but to love properly we need, to, we need to reawaken our hearts. I read this quote the other day by Carol Hauslander. She says, Light's glory is to dispel darkness. Christ has illumined you with wisdom and the fire of his presence. It has been sparked and kindled in you. Let it blaze. And that, my friend, is an invitation for you to not grow cold to one another, but to be a light of love and unity that dispels all darkness and division. 
Love your neighbour as yourself. Now, I really hope you enjoy this episode. I've had to enlist um, three other women because um, this topic is too big for me to tackle alone. Um, And I also want just to let you know that none of the four women on this panel are medical doctors. So please, our comments and... um, and our chat is, is personal, it's merely personal opinion. So if you really want to seek true medical advice, you must visit your health practitioner. Um, so I hope you are healthy and happy and I will speak to you next time. Enjoy the episode. podcast ladies today we have a different format instead of just me chatting with someone I'm chatting with three other women we're going to have a panel discussion because um I don't know about you but my heart has been very heavy for the last um what is it going on now 24 months I don't know it seems like a lifetime um but the battle for our hearts is being waged with every breath we take and it has become so apparent to me um, when you see when you see division and um, and you know people fighting against each other in secular society you accept it because that's part of of, of human nature we we don't agree all the time but when you see it in good, faith-filled communities, it becomes very confronting and oftentimes very confusing. And to me, it just has the mark of the enemy all over it because he comes to seek, kill and destroy and he wants nothing more than to see good people fail. He desires for us to accuse, to be suspicious, to be angry, to judge. And I don't know about you, but it is in every... Um, in every discussion I've had in the last, I don't know, three months. 18 months. (laughs) (laughs) But in the last three months, it's really come to a head where people, it's it's not only in communities, it's in families, it's in um, church groups, it's in school communities, it's in, um, you know, playgroup groups, tennis groups. Mm. It doesn't matter where you are. The, The... vaccinations vax anti-vax um just it it comes up and i really really needed um a whole panel of women to to nut this out because i think when we don't talk about it um and that's it it, we only kind of stick to people we think has the same view as us it becomes very divisive and i really wanted to nut this out with a whole group of women so I have Catherine, could you please tell us who you are and um, where you come from and what your life looks like right now? Thanks, Jess. Thanks for having me on board. Uh, it's wonderful to be uh, part of a discussion about this uh, particular issue, which is, as you say, very divisive. Um, so uh, I'm a mother of six children. I come from uh, Albury, New South Wales, and I live in a very faith-filled community um, which is very strong, uh, but um, in the last last couple of years um, during this pandemic, uh, we've seen a lot of division 
And so it's really good to be able to talk about this today uh, and share my experiences and my observations um, as to where we should actually or how we should actually approach this. Um, mm. And uh, I think if we approach it with a gentleness and a charity mm. as our intention um, and uh, just have a really good open discussion um, so that we can sew up the tear that was created um, through this division. Yeah, right. I think I don't think you're alone in those thoughts. Mm. Um, Olivia, we all know you. Could you yep, introduce good yourself to evening. those that don't know you? Lovely to be here. So I'm Liv. I'm Jess's sister. Um, I'm a mum of four. And like you, Catherine, I come from a very strong Catholic community in Sydney, but I also work at a Rudolf Steiner school, so um, a non-denominational school. So I have seen the division both within a Catholic community and within a, another community. And it's interesting you just said, you know, the last 18 months have been fractured and divisive, but um, Jess mentioned, you know, the three-month mark. The last three months, have it's ramped up a bit. And I think um, from my point of view, it's been since the mandate came in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think people were okay to go about, you know, to run their own race, so to speak, whether to be vaccinated or not to up until three months ago when um, a few um, workplaces and, were, and religious were mandated for it. And I think that's when it's changed. Mm-hmm. And lots to person. talk about. Lots yeah. to talk about. Lots That's to unpack it. and debrief. Yeah. Mm. The fourth person, could you introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Catherine the Great, and I. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting just listening to what Liv was saying. Um, like, as you know, we um, we actually have a son who's on chemotherapy for a condition he has, and. Um, Despite that, I'm I'm heavily opposed to the mandate because of the division I've seen it cause in my own community that were always very loving and united. Mm-hmm. Um, so for for me, that's been heartbreaking. Like we were away from the community for for two years, and we came back and we were so excited about being back in a very what what had always been a very united community. But then to see my kids coming home distressed about disputes uh, mm. going on in the classroom, disputes among the adults, disputes within the family over this issue, yeah. um, mm. that, you know, they, they were sort of simmering there uh, prior to the mandate. But following the mandate, it really, really ramped up. And I think that's because, you know, for those who were... Um, sort of sitting on the fence, the mandate pushed them over the edge. They, you know, no one likes to be forced to do something that they're uneasy about. Um, Mm -hmm. So we, you know, like, you know, and I'm, you know, certainly not anti-vax, but it it is heartbreaking to see that and to see beautiful friends who are, you know, worried about getting vaccinated, feeling backed into a corner and then, losing their jobs, et cetera, um, mm. you know, I'd much, mm. I'd much rather go with something softer, like appeal to people's mm. goodwill, appeal to mm. their, you know, concern mm. for the vulnerable. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, I know myself, I, um, 
talking about this, the division that it's caused in communities, it, it struck me last week that um, the division was coming from women. Mm. And I looked, I was really, because it was, women fight with their tongues. Women mm. fight with their, with their emotions. Men, men are physical, physical fighters. And this battle is being waged. Um, I, I don't know. You can pull, tell me if I'm wrong, but from where I stand, I see it. It's, it's coming from women's hearts that have, you know, they're all, we are fighters and we're passionate, but when it, when our hearts are not in tune with um, the heart of Christ, of Our Lady, where does it go? It, it goes to, um, th th there's an anger there. There's a mm. lack of peace. There's a lack mm. of gentleness. Mm. There's a lack of goodness. Um, there's a lack of generosity and self-control. And I just mm. feel that this is precisely the tools that the enemy uses because mm. he wanted to um, put enmity between us and the woman, you know. Mm. And I just see that it's coming from women and how do we how do we how do we deal with that where do we go um mm. Catherine I was wondering if I could throw that to you um and and, and I, I'm not on any side here this is just yeah. an observation from the way women are responding and yeah. they are fighters and you know a lot we all think that we have the answer yeah <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I think just generally women, um, like you say, we can be very passionate about this particular particular issue, um, and I think the reason is is because our maternal instinct kicks in, mm -hmm. and when that happens, uh, it you, you can you can see a very passionate emotion. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think deep down we need to have a good look at ourselves, that each woman in her own sphere has a certain amount of anxiety and fear during this pandemic, uh, whether it be for, uh, whether it be hesitancy regarding the vaccines or, or, or the actual disease itself. Uh, so if we approach these things with that understanding with our friends, with our family, then we can get a really good picture as to how to approach this, to really listen to each other and to uh, be open with discussion uh, and actually embrace some of those concerns, to actually understand the concerns. Mm. And um, I think uh, that when we do understand those concerns, um, we will be able to uh, have those open discussions. And, um, you know, we just never know with the person we're talking to, maybe maybe they've had a good source material that we, they can share with us mm. as well, or maybe, um, you know, just, just a real uh, op openness uh, mm. in response, I think and, is very, very important. And as you said, you know, if you're discussing it with each other and you're on different sides of the equation, you mm. have um, a better understanding of why they have made those decisions. And then that may relieve some of the tension between you, you know. As you Absolutely. said, someone might be immunocompromised and that's why they didn't want it or they wanted it or whatever. Mm. Um, but kink. And um, as Mother Teresa says, 
the problem with the world is that we've forgotten that we belong to each other. Mm. So I think, you know, stepping back from our position and listening. Yeah. That's probably our first step. Would you agree, Olivia? Mm. Say that again, stepping back from from our own position and listening. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And as um, Catherine the Great said before, (laughs) um, we have two Catherines. That's why one wants to be the Great. She's so (laughs) humble. Um, But as, um, well, we could call a kink. (laughs) Oh, no, don't. As as Catherine the Great said, you know, to appeal to people's goodwill. Um, And I think, you know, Pope Francis, he he like you know he's been vaccinated himself but he didn't insist that we all get vaccinated mm-hmm. but what he did say was that and the church has always said it is that we have to protect the vulnerable and whether yeah. you know and that's why we need to appeal to people's goodwill and not not just to be vaccinated it's not you know but on the other on the flip side if people don't want to be vaccinated then just to follow the PHO and mm-hmm. yeah. you know yeah. to serve people that way so mm. whether it's to Absolutely. be vaccinated or just following the rules for the betterment yeah. of society. So, yes, yeah. yeah, you know, I think people have taken what the Pope said out of context and, and same with the bishop. Mm. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And I think if I can just jump in there as well, um, that um, the, just want to draw to people's attention that um, the bishops around the world and within your own diocese, they've been working really hard behind the scenes on your behalf yeah. To, mm. to actually get us through this situation that we're in. And they're under a lot of stress and it's really important to pray for your bishop. Um, yes. yeah. And don't always go to him with complaints, but really mm. pray for him so that he's able to enable the ability to find the solutions and put them into uh, practice so we can wade through this mess. But, and, you know, it's also really, really important for uh, each and every one of us, as was just discussed uh, just before, that um, in order to help them as well, it's really important that every one of each, every each, uh, every person needs to do their little bit. Mm. Mm. And uh, whether you're vaccinated or you're hesitant about the vaccines to follow the protocols yeah yeah uh, for a reason and i know that they're a pain but yeah you just don't know who you come in contact with you could mm. be sitting next to someone within your congregation within the church there who's immunocompromised yes yeah who maybe cannot have a vaccine or um they have a weakened immune and mm-hmm. so what the disease or the virus covid actually uh, might cause you just to have a very mild case if you do contract it it could mm. be very severe for somebody else so yeah. um, and you wouldn't know if you transmitted that you wouldn't know so um it's just just really important mm. to, for us to to work together in yeah. unity <clears throat> to help yeah. the bishops as well um, yeah. Yeah. and i think that's the message that pope francis was really really uh trying to convey that uh, we we are living in extraordinary times and this calls for extraordinary measures uh, with each and every one of us mm. to do. Mm. The church historically has always stood with the vulnerable, hasn't it? Yes. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's no different today. Yeah. Uh, um, can I, have you experienced anything in your life, Catherine, 
I know uh, Catherine the Great, I should say. Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, could you explain a little bit about your son and yeah. how it is affecting him? So um, my son, Peter, has he has a condition called um, juvenile idiopathic arthritis, which um, the only treatment he can have that slows the progression of his disease is... Um, is methotrexate, which is a chemo drug that suppresses his immune system because mm-hmm. his immune system is, uh, and Peter has the worst form of this condition, um, which means that if the disease is untreated, um, it will impact his heart, his lungs and his eyes. Mm. So um, because of that, he's on methotrexate, which is a chemo drug, and that stops the body attacking his his organs and his joints um and we've just been in the last um in the last week we've had to increase the medication he's on because it's it hasn't been working um Mm. but uh and he has responded very well to that but as a consequence his immune system is further repressed Mm. so and this is this is where i you know i have some of my best friends and some of our family, they, for their own reasons and good reasons and um, reasons that I have the utmost respect for, they've decided not to get vaccinated. Um, But they've also been very respectful to following other public health orders. And, like, because of the anxiety I have as a mother of a sick, sick child who, if he does contract COVID... He will it it will impact the in the inflammatory stage of the disease it will be catastrophic for Peter, um, mm. unlike a healthy child. Um, so most most healthy kids will get through this fine without any worries. But for Peter, because his disease is an inflammatory disease, um, the and he's medicated to prevent that. But in the inflammatory stage of the disease, it'll be catastrophic and it will go for his heart and his lungs. Mm. Um, so. You know, I have the utmost respect for those that choose not to get vaccinated, but I also have a lot of appreciation for friends who've gone down that line, but they have um, also been very, very respectful of the other public health orders, um, mm-hmm. social distancing and, you know, uh, hand sanitising. And mm-hmm. because that, you know, wh- whether or not it prevents the transmission of the disease, it helps me with my anxiety as a mother of a sick child. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's a big contributor to our, you know, our comfort level with going to mass and um, mm. being, you know, having Peter back in the community and um, mm, back at school. That's uh, and like I greatly appreciate that people, you know, they uh, inconvenience themselves for the sake of my child. Mm. Mm. That's a beautiful way of putting that, actually. Yeah, yeah. it's um, it, it's it's another it's another level of uh, what it is to be pro-life. Mm. Um, mm. So just to take into account um, the vulnerable, um, and it doesn't always entail doesn't always um, mean that it's the elderly. Mm. Uh, a lot of people, when you talk about COVID and who it affects, can automatically think that it's just the elderly. Um, yeah. but it's you know, they're, they're just one group of vulnerable people that we should be looking out for. There's many different categories. 
Mm-hmm. And um, Catherine has just um, given us a very, very deep and good understanding on a very personal level as to uh, what parents may be experiencing um, mm. in this time, the anxiety and what have you, uh, which, which can be um, very difficult, I'd imagine, Catherine. Um, yeah. 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 So I think uh, I think as women we should we need to reflect on these things, mm. and you know it's sometimes a good idea I find to put myself in someone else's shoes and kind of reflect as to how maybe I would respond to the situation. Yeah. And um, just give it a, a lot more in depth thought um, mm. so that we can respond mm. during pandemic in, a, in the correct way yeah also how assumptions we assume people do things for a reason without mm. actually discussing it it damages relationships so yeah. deeply yeah. Mm. um you know we're, we're relational beings we need to relate we need to talk we need to you know discuss mm. things and mm. i think this has shut us down in a way you know we've mm. become very defensive and yeah and and we don't open our hearts or our hands mm. for so long we've been told to isolate go inside you know lock the door mm. you know it, it mm. sounds drastic mm. but that's kind of what we were asked to do and it yeah. it leaves an impact on us yes. yeah, yeah yeah it sure and does it, I mean, as australians we've we've always been free you know yeah exactly yeah. Um, mm. it was a shock to our system uh and uh all of a sudden uh we were in lockdown and mask wearing and what have you and we've just never we've just never seen anything like this before mm. it's pretty much like this the world over um yeah, yeah. so yeah I mean, I know for me i'm a teacher and, yeah. um, and wearing a mask in the classroom is horrific yeah like the other day I had a hat on I had sunglasses on and a mask and (laughs) I was smiling at the kids and they didn't know I was smiling at them like I couldn't wave because I had my arms full and they're all hi hello waving to me and I I I was doing it but they didn't see me (laughs) you know I couldn't read my face yeah yeah but it has been um you know like I'll be upfront. I'm I'm vaccinated, but um, it wasn't an easy decision, and I prayed long and hard about it. Mm. And and at the beginning, I was arguing with my husband over it, <laughs> and I thought this is crazy. Like the person mm. I love, and and here we are. Like my husband works in aged care, so for him it was mandated as well, and then it ended up being mandated for me because I'm a teacher. Mm. But um, you know, I just thought this is ridiculous. I'm fighting with my husband, and mm. um, and then. You know, for for certain reasons, I I made the decision to be vaccinated. But today at school, um, I and because I'm the only practicing Catholic in my staff room, mm. um, whenever an issue comes up, and now you know the premier is a practicing Catholic, and you know mm. the stuff with Cardinal Pell, and anyway, everyone jumps to me and asks my opinion, and then jumps down my throat. So I'm I'm they know I'm um, very strong, uh, opinionated. I suppose. Mm. but you know my heart races a million miles an hour whenever something comes up I think oh here we go again I get nervous Mm. but today I could hear two of the teachers talking behind me and he's saying this is ridiculous we're wearing these masks and yet the churches are full of vaccinated and unvaccinated people how come and I almost jumped up and and bit back like I was 
Mm. And then I thought, and then as you said, Catherine, I tried to put myself in their shoes and I was like, yeah. whilst yep. I wanted to say, hang on a minute, we haven't had mass for months and months and months, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I wanted to jump back and I thought, no, from their perspective who aren't, who have no religious affiliation, they must think that is really unfair, you know. Yeah. Um, so it is true. We have to we have to try and understand each other. We have to put ourselves in each other's shoes and, yeah, um, yeah and I think that would solve half the battle, half this division. Yeah, yeah. and I think as, as we go along, um, we will get better at managing this virus. Mm. Um, and I think it's really, really important that people remember this, that um, due to modern science and what have you, um, more treatments will become available um mm -hmm. it, it's it, it's uh it's what we call a novel virus so the human race has never been exposed to it before so mm -hmm. at the beginning we didn't really know what we were dealing with mm -hmm. um, as we go along we will get better it's just reassuring people um that that it, it won't last forever yeah. um mm -hmm. i last for a few years we don't know um yeah but uh you know just just to help with that bringing down that anxiety amongst us those stress levels that tension that we've that we're finding amongst us mm. can we address the concerns of the vax hesitant um i was wondering if we could you know the fertility a lot of women are concerned yeah. about it having an effect on their fertility does anyone have any answers to that or can anyone yeah. well Oh. Yeah, I did have um, I did have some uh, made some inquiries about this, and um, look, this is this is a really legitimate question, um, mm. and uh, because because uh, with viruses and vaccines um, and what have you, um, we have to they have to collect data as to how this affects a particular group, and pregnant women have always been seen as a vulnerable group. So once again, we were talking earlier about groups that are vulnerable yeah. and pregnant women are one of those groups. Um, and you also have in that category, high risk pregnancy as well. Um, what they're seeing with COVID-19, uh, the actual disease itself can make pregnant women really, really quite sick. Mm -hmm. um, those who are hospitalised um, because of their illness and them being quite sick, there is an increased risk of preterm delivery. So um, it's th those sorts of things we have to take into account as well when we consider ourselves pro-life. So how mm -hmm. does this affect women who are pregnant and babies in utero now? Mm -hmm. um, Another, another, um, another concern of women was how the vaccines would affect them as well. Okay. And uh, there is information regarding um, the vaccines and safety during pregnancy. Um, I'm, I'm not qualified to actually give medical advice, um, but if you uh, go and visit your doctor, um, your obstetrician, they will be able to give you that advice. Um, and um, I, I strongly urge women who are pregnant to do so, to go and seek. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because... What about, sorry, keep going. No, that's all right. Um, because it's, it's, it's really something that um, you need to be aware of as to what COVID-19 can possibly do mm. during pregnancy. Mm. Yeah. 
What so, about um, affecting women's fertility? Yeah, well, that's a really good question. So um, the inquiries that I, that I have done is um, the general consensus is, is that COVID itself does not <clears throat> affect fertility if you um, catch COVID. Mm. Um, so the reasoning behind that is that the, the uh, vaccines uh, also create the same spike protein. Um, so they haven't seen any um, increase in infertility in mm. vaccinated people as far as I'm aware. What about the argument of it being a trial drug and, you know, we're, we're all guinea pigs? And... Yeah, the trial, the trial, it's interesting because during a pandemic you, you have to, you have to really um, speed up the process. Work fast, yeah. And work fast. <laughs> and this is the actual vaccine program itself was called Operation Warp Speed and this was funded by the Trump administration. Mm. So um, during times of pandemic, they do throw a lot of funding at these things because they have to act fast. Mm. So clinical <clears throat> trials were fast-tracked. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, the, it, it's extraordinary circumstances that we have to act quickly, otherwise the toll will be extraordinarily high. But they were also looking at results in real time, which also yeah. sped up the process. Yeah. So, and for those who don't understand what real time is, is is, is so um, immediately um, communicating with uh, uh, data collection um, yeah. as to what they might be experiencing at that very time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, messaging and all those sorts of things. So, mm. um, uh, so pregnant women were not used in the initial clinical trials uh, because we don't use pregnant women in the clinical trials for good reason. Um, but over time, uh, nature takes its course and we have women who conceive children and they've been vaccinated. So mm. then because mm. this happens, they collect the data. Mm -hmm. um, and with the data collection, we will know more as time goes on. And I think, uh, I, I think this is one of the most largest amount of data collection that has ever been collected regarding vaccines mm. in history. So, um, yeah, it's, it's something that I think um, we, we really need to source the correct answers from reputable source. Yeah. Where do we get them from? Okay. So rep yeah, it, it this is this is like, this is a bit of trust. And it maybe that's an issue right. of lack of trust. So um look, yeah, it's um it's it is difficult. Um I think that uh the lack of trust is something that needs to be addressed because mm. we have a system which has been offering abortion on demand till birth. Um mm. Asia, we've got uh, contraceptives being pushed all the time and so what happens is that we lose trust in a system mm. and mm. so when that happens um, you can have people seeking alternative medicine and uh, these alternative medicines are problematic um, and the church has given us the tools as to how to navigate a world of sin um, that has these problems, mm. um, but um, I'm sure that Catherine will be able to give a little bit more insight as to mm. um, with her child who is unwell as to how 
uh, we need to be able to trust a health system to help us mm. um, because uh, when you have a very sick child, um, y- you know, you can't just get by and, and uh, not do anything. It's actually never been the Catholic position to just stand by and watch people die. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. That's why we have hospitals and universities. They're, they're actually institutions of the Catholic mm. Church. So, um, yeah. it's, a fa- it's a failure to really um, be authentic in that claim that you value the sanctity of life. Mm. Um, that's, uh, and that, th- I see that echoed through that the, um, the, and this is something that I find quite distressing and confusing, um, hearing, you know, people who I always viewed as, you know, strong believers saying my body my choice because Mm -hmm. like to me that's a very hyper individualistic um expression that fails to recognize yourself as um a part of something bigger than yourself Mm -hmm. um so that that to me has been quite distressing like I've got a lot of sympathy for those who are fearful from a health perspective Mm -hmm. um but for those who um, who are making that statement, um, whether or not they really understand what they're saying, that, like that to me is quite devastating. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you know how do we? And I don't think it's deliberate. I don't. I think it's the It's just. Um, it's a bit of satire on what that what that expression really signifies. Yeah. Like it's yeah. um but yeah. I but at the same time, unfortunately our words have an impact. Mm. Um and, you know, like that making that statement is is it's the epitome of division. Like, you know, if we are just a unit that survives alone without, you know, interacting with the world around us. Um, then, you know, where where is there any responsibility? Where is there any call to consider others in our actions? Um, and ultimately that's the that's the the fundamental position of the pro-life mo- uh, the pro-choice movement. Mm. So um, I think that's something I'd really like to see broken up like that I, I don't want to hear that statement from any of my friends ever again mm. um but at the same time I also don't want to condemn them because you know they're speaking from a position of um they've been marginalized from within their own communities um mm. and uh from communities that were always so united prior to this Mm. So, like, to turn around and go, oh, you made this, you know, outrageous statement, therefore you're an idiot. Like, mm-hmm. I just think, you know, we can, we can jump on that bandwagon, um, but then does that, we just, we're just buying into the division then. We're just mm-hmm. buying into the division. We're buying into the judgmentalism. We're buying into the condemnation yeah. of those who don't see the world from our own lens. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Can I go back quick um, 
just then you were saying, Jess, I think you posed the question to Catherine about where do we get this information from, like good sources from. Yeah. The question was actually posed to her. You asked Catherine, Jess, where do, you get, where do we get these good sources from? Mm. And I wanted to pose the question to Kink about, um, you know, the, the question of these conspiracy theories and, you know, a lot of people keep saying, you know, so many, so many people are throwing around these theories. And I spoke to Kink the other day about that exact thing and she had a great response and I was just hoping she'd share it if she's here. Catherine, can you hear us? Marie, she was saying that, you know, there are a lot of conspiracy, religious conspiracy theories going around. I don't like to use that word because, you know, that term, but that's what people have been calling it because, you know, there are a lot of grounds for these and I think the mandate, as we've all discussed, has... Um, sort of heightened out yeah given the green light to these theories um Mm. but Catherine was saying the other day that you know from the church's perspective we have to first and foremost look at dogma Mm. then doctrine then the gospel and then these revelations they would come last these private revelations in in the scheme of things and what we take as our truth Mm. Does yeah. that make sense? I just I just thought that was really interesting to look at it yeah. from that perspective. Yeah, really, really good points because um, private re- revelation is, as it says, is private revelation. Mm. So the church, through dogma and uh, doctrine and what have you, they're, they're the fundamentals of our faith. They're mm. the things mm. that, that, that we adhere to. Yeah. So when it comes to uh, conspiracies or unapproved apparitions, what have you, those things are always, always um, last Mm. in situations like this. Mm. And um, it's really, really important to adhere to the magisterial authority of the church. Yeah. Because throughout history, the church has always given us the tools and knowledge and wisdom to be able to get through times such as this. Navigate it. Yeah. 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 So it's like if you can just imagine like it's it it's a it, a giant ship sailing ship and it's 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 sailing through turbulent waters and I think it was St John Bosco um who had this particular dream um talking about private revelation but this this particular mm-hmm. dream actually really 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 encapsulates what I'm trying to mm. get across and he it, and it was the pope standing at the helm and steering the ship between two pillars and one had the Eucharist and the other had Our Lady. Mm. And it's, it's quite, quite an amazing um, image if you have time to look that one up. But mm. um, the importance of a sticking to magisterial authority um, because Christ has given us that guarantee. Yeah. That the gates of hell will not prevail. Mm. Uh, so um, Catherine's points there about doctrine and dogma um, being first, yeah, um, and the gospels is is absolutely one hundred percent correct. Yep. Yeah, and then private revelation at the end. Yep. Yeah, I just thought yeah, that was right. interesting to yeah. see in that. You know, where do we get our sources from? And yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. And um, you know, there's the um, information that is coming out. Um, yeah, you, you know, uh, we've got some fantastic catholic doctors around the world who Mm. will be able to assist us with these things um and um hopefully we'll be able to have a clearer picture yeah 
Yeah. Yeah, I think um, she's dropping in and out. I can hear the machine going off. She's pinging. No, it's so true. And, uh, yeah, I was I was having a chat to mum this afternoon. Actually, it was only about half an hour before I caught up with you guys on here. Um, mm. So it's fresh in my head. But I was just saying, you know, the media has being at the other pecking order, the last ones we should be listening to. Um, but it seems that whatever our convictions, either side of this debate or whatever it is, um, that the media is challenging us to dig our heels in deeper and to distance us from, you know, those who think differently to us. Yeah. Um, and it's it's the one thing that we shouldn't be doing. You know, our our unity is fundamental. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. and I think the greatest hope for unity is moving towards the greatest source of true unity, which is the Trinity. And if we can unite ourselves to the Holy Trinity, then we have yeah. then we have unity. Like that's the source of unity. We know that. Mm. And I think that by beating each other up and you know this division, it's just making us further and further away from the Holy Trinity. But yeah. as I was discussing this with Mum, she said. Um, I said I realized the time and I said I've got 25 minutes to get on this podcast and she said oh she was sent this um link today um on Severinus I've never heard of him mm-hmm. um but he was a Roman soldier in the second and third century who was martyred for the faith <clears throat> and his relics were kept in a church in Naples until early 1950s <clears throat> excuse me anyway the archbishop of Naples gave the relics to Saint Josemaria and since then, um, St. Jose Maria have wanted to keep the 8th of November a feast day for St. Severinus. Um, and it was all about, you know, he was the patron saint of unity. And anyway, this article is beautiful and I'd love to put it in your notes, Jess, if, if people would yeah, like to read it. Send it my way. <clears throat> but I just thought, you know, and, and as I was thinking about it in my three minutes before this, I just, that, that concept or that that visual for me of the unity of the trinity was so strong Mm. um and and if that's what we can hold us you know if we can look at the holy trinity as something to to drive our unity as a community as a catholic community um Mm. i think we'll be okay but we just Mm. have to give each other the grace that we're all um you know (laughs) riding this wave together and and differently and mm. um, we just have to have give each other time to understand where we're coming from and mm. um, and not to jump to conclusions and not to you know I think I think what um, people it, it keeps coming back to me is people feel that the, those that are vax hesitant feel that their freedoms are being taken away from them they don't you know I know that there's there's the science and <clears throat> But I think they feel that this is just one step closer to coercion and to communism. Mm. Mm. Um, do you have anything to say on that, Catherine? With communism, it's uh, certainly something which uh, does dominate people's thoughts because, mm. as we know, with communism, it does take away people's freedoms. Mm. Um, you are but a cog in a system. You are but a number. Mm. And um, I think uh, we, we look towards uh, communistic, uh, communistic attitudes around the world. Take, for instance, Russia. 
so Russia, as we know, they lived under communist rule for many, many years. And they are so damaged, those people, about what they saw and what they experienced. So anything that a government says, they are hugely sceptical about. Mm. Um, So in Russia, unfortunately, um, they got a lot of people who don't listen to health protocols or maybe are extremely hesitant about a vaccine. Um, But they have quite a lot of uh, infection from COVID and quite a high death toll. Um, So with these um, communistic attitudes from what we see in those countries and how it suppresses Christianity, those sorts of um, attitudes can filter through to us when we see mandates implemented. Mm. So um, it's, it's, you know, once again, getting back to the uh, concept of appealing to people's goodwill and the importance of that Um, because if you start to um, mandate things so heavily that it it causes one to lose their freedom, then they will not go down without a fight. Mm. And then you've got a situation on your hands that is truly chaotic. Mm. So, um, look, it's unfortunately it's, it's something that does fuel a lot of conspiracy. Um, uh, but it's really, really important to understand that um, we we have a situation on our hands, which if we didn't act quickly um, or put into place certain protocols, etc., we also would have seen chaos in a different way. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't know if that answers your question, but it's just no. That um, was that was really. Mm-hmm. I think also the, you know. We live out of our woundedness and we live, out, we live from a place of, um, of grasping, you know. Mm. We, don't, we don't fully trust God mm. <laughs> because of experience, life has shown us that, you know, people aren't trustworthy. Mm. And I think it's really apparent that the world, everybody in the world, um, are living from this orphan mentality, you know. He doesn't care for us. He doesn't, um, we're just a number, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's because I think we have this godless society that we're living from. Um, we've forgotten that we belong, but we also, um, we don't know who we are and whose we are. And we don't live from that place of daughter, or son of a father who loves us and we're, we're constantly suspicious. Mm. It, it's, it's, you know, it's our human nature. And when things like this happen, it's kind of heightened. And because mm. we're such a, a secular society, it's become a lot more um, apparent. Yeah. Would you agree? Or am I just talking? Gu- guys, I'm back on. Oh, we know. We yes, know. Yes, hello. <laughs> now we should be wrapping this up um, very shortly, but I'm just going to throw one more thing in the ring and it might take a long time to unpack. But mm. what about the vaccine for children? Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, Could you, Catherine? Yeah. Uh, so, look, um, vaccines for children um, is still yet to be determined. Um 
once again, it's it's a matter of uh, data collection, and um, uh, we here in Australia we look towards uh, countries overseas uh, in order to get an idea as to how to manage our own situation. So, look, vaccines for children, uh, I think, may be something that they will address in the future. Mm. Um, at this point in time, uh, COVID. 19 it doesn't seem to affect children quite so badly as well it does adults but having yeah. said that like uh, uh catherine's little peter he's a very unwell boy would it be something that would be given to immunocompromised children uh which i do believe we've already got allowances for mm. um, so look it, it's just a matter of um it, it just managing it as time goes on Mm. Um, look, you know, once upon a time we had, um, uh, you, you know, we've had uh, programs implemented with vaccination programs for uh, diseases of the past. But if you look at those diseases, a lot of them actually affected children very badly. Mm. Mm. So when those uh, vaccination programs were rolled out, they did give them to children because the children were the targets of the disease. Mm. So we've got it in reverse with COVID-19. It seems to affect um, people, uh, so sort of older population. Yes. Yeah. So, look, it's it's a very different uh, kind of dynamic there. Um, mm. So I don't know. What are your thoughts? Um, I know I'm vaccine hesitant for my children. I know mm. that much. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what I've read and, uh, you know, and it, no, not one child has be, has died of COVID nineteen that doesn't have an underlying health. Mm. Yes, yeah. And I yep. know. I'm sorry, but I I know Catherine. That is different to you, and you know your opinion will be different to mine. And mm. I need to respect that, and you need to respect mine. But I, just at this point, the data does not point towards me wanting to have my children vaccinated. Mm. Mm. Um, at yeah. this point, but that's yeah. yeah. For sure, and look, um, I I'm I'm one who who often looks to what we know, mm. and um, uh, with data collection as it rolls in, uh, whether it's necessary or not. At this point in time, my younger children are not vaccinated, um, mm. because I actually feel that um, <clears throat> there's not a hugely strong um, need for it. Um, and, um, yeah, it's just something that I'll, 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 I'm very much in wait, watch and see at the mm -hmm. end. Yeah. Yep. So that's where I'm at with that one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, I think, uh, is there anything that we, you would like to say before we close up? Well, no. I think, we've I think we've covered a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm still here. I'm still here. I could go on for hours, but I'm just mm. being, <laughs> holding back. No, well, no, don't hold back. If there's think... something you'd like to say, please say it. Please feel free to say it. No, um, I'm a bit the same with the ch children thing. Um, half of mine are done and half aren't. Um but I did have a friend who, um, you know, two very close friends who got COVID and they only live 15 minutes from me um, mm. and all their children got it. 
and got the the virus or the got the virus got the virus um and out of the there were five kids in one family and three in the other um most of them just were bad flu symptoms Mm -hmm. but one of them was on her back for 12 days she was very Mm. and she was only 13 Mm. um and she didn't have underlying conditions yeah. Mm. yeah yeah and I think yeah and I think that's something that we really need to take into account that it is indiscriminate mm. yeah mm. and uh, so once again it will be something that the health authorities will ascertain yeah mm. they give us direction um from there um but it's it's quite a scary virus this one yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. and yeah. I think I think we can all agree with that um yeah we're hesitant or vaccinated it Mm. is a very very scary thing yeah Um, but a joy another joy my hydrangeas are bringing me a lot of joy they're all they're beautiful but (laughs) yeah but just um two things maybe not joy but consolation was that article i read just before this and i and i'd like to put it in your notes jess so others can read it just on Mm. unity in the church and how that will get us through this um, but also Pat Byrne in um, News Weekly wrote a beautiful article on October 16th, I think it was the last edition, uh, just about, um, you know, not, not saying which side of the, this debate is right or wrong. Um, and, he, and he was pretty much making the point that, you know, I think he was talking about Dan Andrews really and, mm. and his mandate, but saying that, you know, the mandate is the thing that's caused the biggest heartache for us all. Um, because people had pretty much made a, a choice freely and then this mandate has sort of blurred the lines of those free choices. And yeah. mm. But it just yeah. just reading Pat's article in News Weekly, I think there are some great articles in there um, if we're looking for good material. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I it can put that in a lot of, Yeah, it just mm. gave me a lot of consolation um, through this whole farcical yeah. thing we're all living. All right. mm. <laughs> And what about you, yeah. Jess? What's brought you joy or okay. My lawn. Uh. <laughs> it's a bit of a garden theme going on here, but I think maybe because we've been in drought for so long, mm. um, the last year we have it, we've seen all the seasons and mm. things, you know, aren't going so well in the world, but life continues and yes. yeah. re- rebirth happens and it's just... There's beauty wherever you look for it, if you look for it. Um, yeah. And that, my lawn, it's as simple as that. Yeah. As long as you did your weed and feed in your early 17. <laughs> I did. And there's no bindies. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so thank you very much for your honest discussion, your willingness to um, speak about this because it's not easy, mm. <laughs> the fact that, uh, difference of opinion means division mm. um, because it shouldn't. So I'm very mm. grateful for all of you. So thank you very much for joining. Thanks, Jess. Thanks, Jess. See you later. See you. Thanks, Jess. Bye. Bye. Bye.